keen-eared listeners may have noticed a couple of things about the Tough Cat podcast, and one of them is uh, Hop. <laughs> yeah, Hop <laughs> is a big one. James Marsden, big fans. Gore Verbinski, all the inside Shout jokes out. of this show. Uh, but that Jake occasionally sounds a bit like he is recording with his head in a toilet. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe um, you fucking lots of reverb. Sound is just like bouncing around. What's going on there? Uh, we are. This is episode nineteen, and Jake <laughs> has just realized that he recorded the previous eighteen episodes with his mic turned backwards. So he's been talking into it wrong. <laughs> For 18 episodes. <laughs> Look, it, to be fair, the logo's on the other side, but also with my luck, I'm still not going to sound good. So, uh, <laughs> good luck. Good luck for you listeners. I I promise I have the sexiest voice of the podcast. You'll just never know my real voice <laughs> because it's always going to be fucked. I'm loving surfing on these crystal clear sound waves you're sending out. Hell yeah. You picking I'm up? I'm vibing. Until the Tough Cut podcast has a live show. Um, you'll never know what Jake actually sounds like. It's literally impossible. I really (laughs) sound like this. (laughs) Audience, you don't know. I do some substantial audio (laughs) editing. Jake doesn't normally sound like a Muppet. That's just my magic at its work. Another thing you might have noticed is that this episode did not release on Monday. Uh, (laughs) All of our past episodes have released on Mondays, uh, but... Due to some scheduling changes that we're making, uh, from now on, episodes are going to release on Thursdays. Still be Thursday morning, so you can listen to that on your ride to work if you're not working from home. Um, Or you can listen to it on your walk to work as you take an hour walking from your bed to your home (laughs) office. Or if you are work from home, listen to it while you're working because yes. they can't stop you from listening I to our podcast do know during work hours. One of our listeners, I do know one of our listeners who listens to it during work. Uh, Hell yeah! So shout out to you if you're listening. Hell to this yeah. money from the man. Fuck Deborah, your boss. I actually don't know if that's the boss's paid name. to listen to us more <laughs> than we get paid to do this show. <laughs> to be very clear, we're not going to be the ones paying you to listen to us. <laughs> cool all right well this is episode 19 part two of our coming of age bracket we're the tough cut podcast and i'm matthew i'm your editing wizard alex and i figured out how microphones work kinda (laughs) jake (laughs) so coming at you in the first half of this episode we've got eighth grade versus how to train your dragon uh and then in the second half we've got the way way back versus ladybird so should yeah, be some guys, fun matchups. Is, it's going to be really good. This is part two of our coming of age bracket. We picked movies that are about young people figuring out how to be normal people. Uh, figuring out how to train their dragons. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're figuring out. You know? Yeah. I'll wait until we get into the discussion to bring up my fun conversation I want to have. Uh, <laughs> so audience, be excited for future conversations that I'm going to bring up. They're going to be pretty fun and also spoilery i which i thought is what you were leading into alex we're, we're gonna be spoiling these i don't have movies. that kind of foresight <laughs> <laughs> amazing well yeah we're gonna be spoiling these movies and also if you haven't watched all these films we encourage you to watch along with us uh but eighth grade does contain a scene that is very um intense it's an intense sexual situation 
So uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, and yeah, we're going to be talking about these movies and I'm excited to get into it. So let's get into it, guys. Let's do it. Let's do it. Gabagoo. Yeah. Jake, do you want to go ahead and introduce eighth grade? Oh, yeah. Um, just in time, uh, by the time you're listening to this for Bo Burnham's new special. I'm so excited. Very excited. Uh, Bo Burnham, this is his directorial debut, uh, eighth grade in 2018. This is about 13 year old Kayla enduring, you know, tidal wave of suburban adolescence as she makes her way through the last week of middle school and, you know, the end of her fate of eighth grade year. So it's filled with angst and music and fire that's that, that was everyone's eighth grade experience right i'm just i'm just making sure a lot yeah, of myself fire. and my friends did like to burn things yeah um i i mean i love this movie i got to see an early screening of it um in portland and they give you a little hall pass with bo burnham's signature on it saying you can see this movie and it's wow, very cute so cool. and i love it so much it's one of my prize possessions from a theater um but what do you guys think i love this movie bo burnham is someone that i feel one of the biggest creative influences in my life. So to see him kind of make his directorial debut in this form um, with what I felt was a one of the more powerful movies that I saw that year um, was really, really awesome. It is. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's a it's a good movie. I really like it. I really enjoyed it. It was good to rewatch. Very cringy, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cringy movie. I had never seen this movie before, and I'm I'm glad you bring that up, Matt. This movie is so well written, so well performed. the The performances in this movie are phenomenal. Bo Burnham does such a great job directing it, uh, and I hated every single second of watching this movie. Um, <laughs> it's a great movie, but I do not like movies that make me feel uncomfortable. And I was uncomfortable the entire time. It's doing its job. Um, that's not to say that I like dislike the movie because I think that is a lot of what it was trying to do. I just hated watching it. Nice. With that, Alex, do you want to introduce How to Train Your Dragon? Yeah. A very different <laughs> coming of age movie that just feels good the whole time watching. This story follows a teenage Viking named Hiccup who is weak and scrawny in a village of big beefy boys and he learns that being himself is the best way to bring about change in society and that's what this movie is about guys yeah yeah it, it, it sure is i i mean i love this movie too it's one of the best trilogies of animation like i think it's a yeah. solid ass trilogy honestly definitely a highlight of dreamworks in my opinion is it better than Shrek? Maybe in totality it is. Do you think it's better than Shrek? I think as a trilogy, yeah. Because Shrek the Third. Oh, well, yeah. The, the Shrek 3, 4. And, well, are yeah, we, are yeah. we throwing out some fighting words about Shrek ever after? Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, unironically, please come fight me about Shrek ever after. Well, it, maybe it'll come up on the podcast one day. We're coming for you, DreamWorks. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah those execs we have them in our pocket i forgot <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it i have other things to say but i will say them you know i i like the movie it's it's a fun animated movie um it's been a long time since i've seen this movie and i had a lot of fun with it i really enjoyed my rewatch i have not seen the full trilogy i know it's been spoken very highly of um but i just haven't ever seen the second and third movie so 
I cannot weigh them as part of my decision at all. I don't think we should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't agree. Think they should <laughs> They're pretty good, but I think part of what makes them so good is the evolution of the emotional resonance in the first one. God, that was the a future fancy ones. ass fucking sentence. I loved every word of it. Well, Thank you. So I have to talk fancy because I'm about to get into my most nuanced film uh, <laughs> critique conversation that I am starting, and that is music in these movies because I think score is very important in both. Both of them. <laughs> Matthew whispering fuck is I, so good to me. Yeah. I'm out of my depth here. Talk about it. I'm here for it because I love the score in eighth grade. So let's talk about so it. So I, knowing that Bo Burnham was the director of eighth grade, I was expecting to be like blown away, astounded by the music in it. And I kind of wasn't. It seemed like the music was different from other movies that I've seen. Like it, it definitely has like its own own score that I don't think is similar to anything else, but I don't know that I liked it. It felt like the score was doing the same kind of thing every time where it is noticeable in those big scenes where she is like mouth agape watching, uh, what was his name? Aiden or, you know, like those kinds of things where it like suddenly is very loud in a big moment like that. And it's kind of, I don't know. I didn't get a lot out of Interesting. it. Interesting. So I'm interested, Jake, you said you liked it a lot. What what you think about yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I just think the music felt, for lack of a better word, like fantastical and imaginative, like we were in Kayla's brain. Like, that's what it felt like. It felt like wholly original. And yeah, the parts where it breaks, where she's looking at Aiden, I thought that was so fucking funny. Um, you know, I... I, I think it just feels like it's it's her like it's like this out of the wall like she feels so painfully individual and it's like you know kind of uncomfy but it's like fun and I think it's like a fun score that captures a lot of her character hmm. what I want to compare it to though is how I love the music and how to train your dragon I think it is one of the best scores in movies who does the score do you remember John Powell was the composer yes John Powell, the like theme of Burke, the like theme of hiccup, like the music, you can look at how like what scenes it's present in and how these themes represent different characters and ideals in the movie. And they're like pulling hiccup in different directions. It's just so beautifully composed. There are specific moments where like hiccups music overlays above toothless's theme and it like blends perfectly in that scene where they're like first flying and they like fall and go crazy and are shooting through those rocks sticking up out of the ocean and he has to like let go of his paper and just feel it by gut that music is so powerful it's such a beautiful moment and i feel like the score does so much to emphasize like the emotional growth of these characters yeah honestly fuck how to train your no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean genuinely i think both of these are like fairly like nuanced and great something that i love about how to train your dragon is its ending and it's parallel with toothless and that they actually let a character throughout the trilogy is the reason why i brought it up like remain disabled and it wasn't like a thing that was like uh oh this is his character thing or like oh they played it up as whatever it was just no he's not worse off or anything it's a part of him and anything if anything it un unlocked more about him uh which is really really cool and i really really enjoy that in in the film although i will say why the fuck where's this going <laughs> why the fuck is jay baruchel the voice 
this scrawny Jewish man and then other <laughs> Scottish heavy accent dudes. It's so funny and jarring to me. Well, so all of the kids had yeah. American accents and all the adults had those Scottish accents. Actually, one of my favorite things about this movie is that David Tennant is one of the background voice actors. So you'll just hear like, I'm with you, stoic. <laughs> so fun. So good. It's so funny that like you get that and then you get, hi, I'm Jay Bearshell. I'm here to fucking <laughs> do, do the dragon thing. That's my worst impression I've ever done. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Thanks. I appreciate that. I've heard but, worse impressions from you. <laughs> in my point of view, the Jedi are evil. <laughs> Put this down in your rear view. <laughs> ben Affleck, did, is that you? Did you appear? <laughs> Holy shit. Wow, incredible. I also love um, that How to Train Your Dragon does the whole, like, different thing that kind of like Fantastic Mr. Fox did, you know, with the whole, like, he's just different and, like, the whole, he like... He just gestured to all of me. Yeah. And I really, like, I love that. I, I love that uh, about films. And the father-son dynamic is very, very good. We have very good, interesting fathers, and I think... Good, good interesting comparison. fathers, yeah. Yeah, that's actually one of the things I most wanted to talk about with these two movies. Because obviously, parent-child dynamics are really important in coming-of-age films. I just think that this is a really interesting comparison of to father sort of child relationships. I guess I'll open that up if you guys have specific thoughts while I try to find my notes on this. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely a really good point to bring up, and I think it'll be a great discussion. I think in many ways, the dads are very opposite. Stoic Absolutely. wants Hiccup to change from the very beginning versus... <laughs> His name being Stoic is so fucking funny to me. It's so good. That's hilarious. It's great. I don't know what Kayla's dad's name Mark. is. Mark. Yeah. Mark very clearly loves his daughter so much and is so proud of her and excited by who she is. Mm -hmm. And I think the movie, I will say eighth grade does a fantastic job of always showing Kayla from the way she sees herself. Mm -hmm. Like the movie is definitely from her perspective the whole time. And so you see that he loves her, but you don't see her the way he sees her. Mm -hmm. And then it makes that moment at the end so good. So beautiful. The, the, the fire scene is like, phenomenal to me like the whole sharing and how to share feelings and the father being equally scared is such a beautiful like moment and and she's like oh like what's in there oh you know all my hopes and dreams and he's just like <laughs> the fuck am i supposed to do with that kayla that dad is so understanding but so out of his depth and I think it's the same, like, you know, in How to Train Your Dragon, not necessarily like he's so understanding, but uh, he's so set, like he's so out of his depth and how they mm -hmm. respond in different ways and how they do that, you know, in, in a way where they're genuinely believing they're trying to do their best for their kid, but they just don't know how. Yeah, I was very much just sort of going to agree with a lot of what Jake was kind of throwing out about this idea of being out of their depth. And like then this single parent dynamic, I think, is really interesting in both films and like how you have these single dads trying to raise kids correctly. Mm -hmm. I just think it's really, really interesting and very, very cool. Jake said basically the thing I wanted to say uh, so well. Um, so props <laughs> yeah, to him. And then the other thing. I get dunked on, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, the other thing I want to throw out, though, is the relationship between Kayla and Mark in eighth grade makes me so thoroughly terrified to have children because <laughs> like, I think it's like such a beautiful picture Aww. of like 
parents genuinely have no idea what they're doing any more than like kids like know what they're doing in terms of growing yeah. up like yeah man that's that's spooky <laughs> oh, actually going off of that i want to imagine we're all in eighth grade for a second please no what would your guys dragons be and what would their powers be and what would their names be and what color <laughs> would they be if you guys had a dragon uh chartreuse is the color for sure God, I got to think of fucking dragon Will you, will you describe chartreuse? Because I always get chartreuse confused. Chartreuse is like the... It's, it's puke green. It's okay. Like okay. it's like a, it's like a, it's, it's technically a wine. So it's like a wine green, but I don't know how to like describe that. It's like a, okay. a, a putrid green. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we get a little bit of chartreuse in the movie. So it's a feasible color for dragons to be, I feel Thank like. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. And what would your dragon's power be? Like, you know, there are the ones that like shoot scalding water that melt people or like their wings can cut trees. Mine will be able to speak. That's it. Mine will be able to just speak fucking human language. Might be your, able to be like, dragon. what's up? You know, it, it would, would sound it like a chain speak. smoker because it has fire breath. So it'd be like, hey, you do it. A Jake's it dragon. A stoma. Yeah. <laughs> it has a stoma. I'm, I'm Jake's dragon. Its name is Gertrude. It's Gertie. I'm Gertie. Yeah, that's my dragon. That's Gertie dragon. the chartreuse dragon. Matt, what about your dragon? I think if I was in eighth grade, being the introvert, I'm just like different from other people kind of person. <laughs> um, I definitely feel like it would have had to be a, the dragon would have had to been black, just like a deep night's black color, midnight black. Super cool looking, simultaneously fearsome, but elegant with like sweet, like spines down its back and stuff and big, huge, terror, scary wings. And then it would have like the same kind of power as um, <laughs> Toothless where it can set, shoot like the, the sonic combustion explosions. I knew you really rad. fucked with Toothless. I knew, I knew you would. <laughs> also, you guys couldn't see it, but he literally swooped his hair and started blasting Blink-182. We had to cut that out. But uh, <laughs> as he was talking, he was like, don't waste your time on me. Already. That's pretty cool. What would your dragon's name be? Mm, eighth, you can't what, take Gertie, bitch. What what would eighth grade Matthew have named uh, his dragon? Oh, I'm yeah. very curious. <laughs> eighth grade, you're what? Like 14? 13. She's 13 sure. in this, 13, 14. I had yeah. my bar mitzvah in eighth grade, so. Yeah, well, yeah. We, I mean, that's it was bar mitzvah season. That's how we all remember it. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of Jews. A couple of Jews in here. Um... I don't, uh, probably something like Drexar. <laughs> like genuinely, that's probably what I would have picked. <laughs> I love that we waited. He literally paused, just went, probably some fucking rad like Drexar. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like and- that. Like while we were while we we're sitting in class presenting our dragons or something, I would totally sit there and be like, wow, everyone's going to think I'm so cool when they hear what my dragon is like. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Alex, are you going to what, what, what's yours? You, you've yeah, clearly dragon, given it some thought. My dragon would be uh, purple and it would have like tiger stripes oh. and <laughs> it would have like it would have like a really big like underbite and then it would have all the powers. So it's super strong and super fast. And it also can do like psychic things. It can, it has telekinesis and can read thoughts and also it can teleport and it doesn't have to breathe. So it can go to space. You literally channeled your eighth grade self so fucking well. I feel like, Mm, thank you. Uh, I would name him bill. (laughs) 
Did you guys have imaginary friends when you were little kids? I did. I don't know if you guys did. Mine was Flame Akari, and it was a fire ninja. <laughs> That's and awesome. My friends and I would uh, run around in elementary school, and we would jump off of the like PlayStation or the PlayStation. PlayStation. <laughs> we would jump off the PlayStation. We had a PlayStation outside, and we all would jump on it. <laughs> We would like just like run around doing parkour and be like, go flame Akari. It was pretty fun. It was rad. It was Can sick I as hell. Tell you an embarrassing story about an imaginary friend. Did your first kiss with an imaginary friend, Jake? <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. Anyway. Um, wow. Way to yes. I, uh, and that. Yeah. My, my brother, my brother hated me when we were younger. Aww. So we tried to get, get rid of me as much as possible. Right. But I really like wanted to hang out with him. And so I remember late at night when I couldn't sleep, I'd like run to his bed and be like, Michael, give me like story or mother, whatever Aww. dumb shit I asked for. But he created this persona where he said the bed was alive and my it was my imaginary friend. So I believed for like a good a year or two that King Bed was my friend. And anytime I needed to talk, I would just sit down like on the be- on the floor and talk to the king bed and trace the little like stitching and be like, king bed, tell me a story. And it wouldn't talk to me at all. And I would just trace it for like hours. I would be more oh. concerned if it actually did talk to you. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it did sometimes, but that's a story for another time. That's for a spookier bracket. Ooh. King bed sounds like a like mafia villain. That's like a pretty fun name. Yeah. King bed. King King bed. I don't think yeah, that's, that's embarrassing. I think that that you know. I talked to a mattress. I talked. To you. <laughs> when we lived together, I always heard you talking to yourself. Were you talking to your mattress the whole time? I was talking to King Mattress. Thank you very much. Oh. Jesus. Yeah, uh, that was wow. my imaginary friend. But anyways, unless Matthew has an imaginary friend, we should probably continue comparing these movies. Uh, yeah, no, no, no nothing. Um, no, I was a writer. So. Oh yeah, I wrote some angsty shit as well. Uh, <laughs> King Ben was never in any fan fictions, though. I should probably put him in some. Damn, that's sad. Something else I want to talk about with these movies, because I think it's a central piece of both of these stories, is the kind of the idea of seeking acceptance with both internally and externally, and how that relates to kind of making friends, especially as you are yes, a young yes, person. Yes. Because both of these movies are in some ways kind of centrally about that. You know, both Kayla and Hiccup are sort of socially outcasted by their their relative in groups. And I think that both movies deal with those kind of concepts in different ways, um, which I think just think is interesting. Yeah, actually, um, I I love this comparison because I I think the the friendship thing and creating spaces like in How to Train Your Dragon, I think the friendships are so cool and all the other like characters, you know, because they're good like voice actors and like, you know, fucking Jonah Hill's in it. Who's rad and. You know, they're just talking to Bebop. Yeah, you didn't know Jonah Hill was in it, Matthew? Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, it's a stacked It's wild. Cast. It is crazy how wow. stacked it is. I, this I bracket, so the fun. amount of Jonah Hill and his sister in it, too much. Yeah. They got crazy. too many appearances. Anyway, besides that, I, yeah, the way they handle it and like the social like, groups and dynamics and how he feels with, oh God, what's his love interest name? Astrid. Astrid. She's great. Like, it, it's a great like push and pull and in eighth grade though the scene that stands out to me is the nugget scene at the very that's like my favorite scene in the whole fucking movie i love gabe fucking love gabe but like 
he literally provides space for her to be herself. Literally, like, at the end of the table and stuff, like, opening up things, getting all the sauces, asking questions about, hey, you believe in God? Yep. Okay, <laughs> cool. Like, not being judged, just being curious, dude. And I love that shit. Like, am I being weird? Am I being quiet? Love that shit. They're the beautiful scene. Beautiful, wonderful. But because you bring up the do you believe in God, this bracket has two movies released by A24 that in their final sorts of scenes have one character asking another, do you believe in God? <laughs> this and Lady Bird. A- eighth grade and Lady Bird are the same movie. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. This and Hereditary <laughs> are the same movie where they ask, do you believe in God? In the yeah, end? honestly. Come and on, A24. First, first Reformed, do you believe in God? It's a fucking good movie. <laughs> the Vavitch, do you believe in Anya Taylor-Joy? And the answer is yes. I, uh, I do too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you, anything else you guys think before? I'm sorry for just... derailing that so thoroughly. Yeah, so something I think is interesting in relation to that kind of idea is I don't know how I feel about, I, you know, I'm inviting you guys to speak more on it, how I feel about Astrid's growth and how to train your dragon because it doesn't feel earned to me. It's just like over the course of basically a single scene, she goes from I, you know, has been like bratty, don't like dragons, don't like you, you're fucking dumb, why does everyone respect you now? To like, holy shit, dragons are awesome over the course of like one flight on the back of it. So I think what I agree with you that I think her character development is not the best in this movie. Um, And they fix that in later movies. But I think that is we're not considering that. Um, What I think, though, that you're kind of discounting is that it's not why is why is everyone obsessed with you? It's she's jealous that everyone has started to become obsessed with him and wants to know why he suddenly is so good. Mm-hmm. And I think I guess you have to look for that nuance in the way that she is voiced by America Ferreira, like the way that she phrases some of the lines. It like I've seen this movie a lot. So I noticed a lot <laughs> of the little details, yeah. but like the way that her character slowly turns. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but I feel in I my totally heart know. of hearts. I totally know what you mean, though. Um, I think I'm projecting how I feel about her through all three movies, though. Like, I think, mm. like, that's where cause she does get, like, more shit to do and better shit to do. And I think when I see the first one, I'm anticipating that. So I'm excited for her. I think what I like most about that's her fair. is, like, probably the chemistry between, like, her and Jay Baruchel. Sorry, he just sounds like Jay Bar- I know Hiccup, whatever, <laughs> but he just fucking sounds like Jay. And, uh... It's so funny to me. But yeah, I think their chemistry is good. But I, yeah, I do. You're, I think Matthew has credit where he's saying she just kind For of sure. be bops around um, and doesn't get a lot sure. more to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I will say, though, is I think America Ferreira has possibly the best scream of terror that I have ever heard in a movie. And maybe you guys disagree because you've seen a lot of horror movies. Her <laughs> scream as she's like being pulled up to the tree and like waving around is such a good scream. I don't know if that like moment. I don't know stuck if you want you Matthew and I to open up the can of worms of scream queens, uh, but we <laughs> we totally can. Um, we shouldn't shouldn't touch that here. I don't think. <laughs> That's on our extra late night podcast. (laughs) (laughs) After the tough cut uncut. (laughs) Going back to our point about like the comparing like the Gabe and Kayla scene. I think 
Something that I like about How to Train Your Dragon that I think eighth grade doesn't do as much and eighth grade doesn't do this because it's purposeful. I think How to Train Your Dragon, we get a bigger picture of who those side characters are and who the other teens are in a sense, like the brother sister dynamic, the like one nerdy kid, like his whole nerdiness comes in in like a clutch moment and then analyzing the big dragon at the end. Like, yeah, they're just kind of stereotypes and like tropes, but I think we get more details about them in How to Train Your Dragon than we do about just like the popular girl in eighth grade or Aiden, who's the teenage boy who likes blowjobs, you know? I think it's purposeful because in eighth grade, you're seeing it from Kayla's perspective and she sees everyone in a very two dimensional way. Yeah, I, I I think that part of what's going on also, though, in eighth grade is this may not be intentional. And I don't know if this is a shared experience, but mm. what goes through my head and reflections of those characters is because, yeah, in some senses, they're kind of these high level tropes. I think the the intimate storytelling, I end up projecting parts of personalities of real people I know that are like those characters onto some of them, which kind of doesn't necessarily deepen them, but sort of recontextualizes them. And that feels like it's supposed to be part of the experience where How to Train Your Dragons, I think they sort of stay more at that level of, sure, we get some more screen time with them, we get some more characterization, but they stay in that same position as being tropes. You don't project onto the animated characters characters you didn't have a friend who was super into dragon trading cards and was like this dragon is really strong whenever he saw a dragon and he was, whenever he saw a different dragon he was like this dragon's really fast you didn't have a friend like that i didn't have friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i pitched the way way back so we'll get to that <laughs> uh speaking of i feel like there's so much more to say but should yeah we let's i mean i think i'm ready to vote uh these are yeah fun movies though uh also quick shout out because because we didn't shout it out but roger deakins fucking did the cinematography for how to train your dragon that's rad as hell for really? an animated movie go ahead it's kind of fun yeah it's just a fucking like it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous little movie. It's really good, guys. All right. I can start. I feel like I'm pretty obvious this time. Uh, I am voting for How to Train Your Dragon. I can go next unless Jake wants to take it. I'm voting for eighth grade. Ah, um, <laughs> I, ah yeah, no, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I will also vote for. Ooh, and I said also, so I had to pick one of them. Get well, it, there's one the vote for each one. <laughs> <laughs> ah, suspense. I'm voting for eighth grade uh, as well. Not to discredit, if you haven't seen How to Train Your Dragon, which is ludicrous, I feel like, go fucking watch it. Go watch the whole trilogy, actually, because it genuinely is good. I, I need to watch the other two. Yeah, they're pretty good. The first one, I think, is the best one. Uh mm -hmm. My favorite thing about the sequels is the way that the music carries through. They use the same themes, but slowly change them. Yeah. Like, okay, I should have said the scene where you first see Toothless, the score uses bagpipes to depict otherness. So like when you first see Toothless and he's like trying to stab him, the there are like really loud blaring bagpipes that are like covering to like in the style of toothless's theme and then the bagpipes come back during the like final climactic battle and then when they're like in the dragon nest it's so good it is beautiful music i feel like i didn't take away like anything notable on the score and i need to like rewatch this movie i mean i'm score is like out of my depth i feel like i need to rewatch how to train your dragon paying attention to 
uh, audio motifs because it sounds like there's a lot of really incredible I will, stuff going I will on. Say, I will say it's probably because Alex has seen it like fucking a million times because like, yeah, yeah it definitely isn't something that sticks sticks out to me, but I do know what you're talking about. I, I'm yeah. also, I've got fucking goopy goblin brain and don't know how music works. Uh, shall we get into the second half of this? Yeah, let's I'm do so it. I'm so relieved now because I have no more films left, so I could just sit back and hang Jake out. Jake can just hang out having all oh, of yeah, his films. I pitched one of these movies. <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, I'm so relieved that I don't have to talk about one of these movies. And I totally forgot that I pitched Lady Bird. Uh, so I'll start. Go for it. Lady Bird is about, wow, I don't even remember her first name. Uh, she calls herself Lady Bird. Christine. Christine, yes. Uh, Christine, Lady Bird. Mi- mm, uh, I can't even remember her last name. McPherson. Christine Ladybird. <laughs> Ladybird. <laughs> Ladybird. <laughs> Christine Ladybird McPherson. She's an old timey gangster. I like that. <laughs> a teenage girl who goes to a all girls uh, Catholic high school growing up, applying for colleges, has a very strenuous relationship with her mother, meets boys, experiences adolescence. <laughs> I remember when I experienced adolescence. (laughs) I mean, is there a better way to describe a coming of age movie, though? It is people experiencing adolescence. I don't know. Skate fast, eat ass. God, I wish that were I wish that were my childhood experience. What? (laughs) I guess I can talk about. Yeah. Why did you pick this? Alex gets flustered with these now. I've realized he like likes it's because I didn't write. It's because I didn't write out my my things this time. He's winging it. I I winged it when I picked these movies too. I saw Lady Bird a couple of years ago and it was really really good. And I just remember it standing out as coming of age movie, so I picked it. Nice. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, re- uh, released in uh, Lady Bird was released in 2017. Directorial de- debut of Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig's direction in this movie is so fucking good. Yeah, phenomenal. Saoirse Ronan is absolutely incredible. I want her to marry me. This movie's cast is just so, so good. In I have nothing way. else to add for that part, but <laughs> I felt like I had to include stuff. Uh, what, what do you guys think of this movie? I'm sure you probably have closer relationships with it than I do. I, yeah, I fucking love Lady Bird, dude. Fucking love Greta Gerwig. Um, and her relationship with Saoirse Ronan, who's slowly but surely turning into her muse. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. a fantastic film mm-hmm. coming out coming out of nowhere. I love the films that come out of nowhere with coming of age movies. Uh, big big fan of those uh, because we all come out of nowhere, and it has a lot of great great moments in it. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. I come into nowhere. I don't know what that sentence means. <laughs> yeah, what, what yeah. was that? <laughs> um, Lady Bird. Um, I hadn't seen this movie before. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, maybe surprisingly. Wow. It was a really interesting movie. I think it fascinated me in a <laughs> lot of ways. Sorry, I thought you were just going to keep it there. I thought <laughs> you were. It was a really <laughs> interesting movie. All right. So, The Way, Way Back. <laughs> um, it was a really interesting movie to me. Like, I enjoyed it through its runtime. And I think the more that I sit with it, the more I can kind of like pull bits and pieces around and be like, huh. Like there's, you know, I feel like so much more to dissect here. And I feel like I would have gotten more out of it having watched it twice for the bracket than I would have just once. With that said, I don't know. I I, I feel, I think, strange about it. I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk more about it, I'm sure. It's just a a movie full of like complex, realized characters um, that have things to like and yeah. dislike about them. Yeah, I feel that. I think... I because I was so scattered in my description, I'm going to hop in here and keep talking about Lady Bird for a second. 
I didn't talk very much about Lori Metcalf as fantastic Lady Bird's mother. Who boy, their relationship is. We should introduce the way way back before yeah. we get okay, into we'll this, get into right? It. We'll get yeah. into it later. I think yeah. we should, yeah, because I want to, because that's fantastic. But like, that's that's more like meat. We'll get into it. We'll get yeah, into it. yeah. So on the other side of this bracket, my last pitch of this one, um, we've got the way way back, released in 2013, directed by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash. Follows Duncan, an introverted and out of sorts teenager who goes on a reluctant summer vacation to a town in the Northeast near Cape Cod, I think, um, with his mother and her boyfriend, played by Steve Corral, uh, who reveals himself to be a terrific asshole. All the while, that's a great way to describe him. Yeah. All the while, Duncan begins to come out of his shell while working at a water park and beginning to befriend its owner and manager sam rockwell sam rockwell he's popping up again sam rockwell is so good guys yeah so sam rockwell as for why i picked this one (laughs) i recognize it's not a perfect movie by any means um but it's one that i feel very in tune with there is a lot that i feel close with about my own experience in adolescence reflected in this film um so i felt it would have been a disservice to not include it in the bracket nice I had actually seen this movie. Um, I thought that I hadn't, but I saw it a long, long time ago. I just like caught it on TV one time. I didn't really remember very much of it, but I had like definitely seen parts of it. I loved this movie. I thought it was so, so fun. I thought Sam Rockwell's character was (laughs) incredible. So good. I loved Maya Rudolph. Um, Like really just... Great characters, some really good juxtaposition, real fun stuff. It, this movie is really, really fun, really great. I loved it. I thought you were just going to keep saying long words. I was totally going to be here for it, you know? <laughs> Indubitably. I do film analysis, and sometimes I talk about my dragon imaginary friends. <laughs> yeah, I fucking adore this movie hardcore. This was during um one of my... I had a period of time where I wanted to watch every single movie of that year so i went on this site called like wild about movies that lists every film that came out by like month of that year and i still have it as a tab open on my laptop because i don't close tabs and i go through every time (laughs) and i don't recognize one i usually go through and like do whatever poster captures my thing first so i went into this like completely blind i was like this looks fun yeah, what's up? Matthew's having a no, very fin- exciting... finish your thought and then I'm going to say something to you, Jake. Uh, <laughs> finish your thought first. <laughs> I lo- I like love. Yeah, I just had it was I was so surprised. I knew nothing about it. And like it was one of my favorite films that I randomly ended up watching and like thought no one else had heard of because no one else <laughs> talks about it. And then when I found out Matthew loved it, I was like, oh, my God, another human being who loves this really specific small movie. Like, I love it. Mm hmm. So the thing I want to say to you, Jake, <laughs> oh no! to my understanding, you went through the process of doing that many a year ago of like watching yeah. all the movies crazy about, you know, from whatever year. Yeah. How many fucking years has that tab been open on your computer? How many uh. laptops have you been through since that tab was first opened? And it's probably only purely being recovered based on like your fucking like Google <laughs> account data. Are you fucking uh. kidding me, my guy? Like, uh. What is it like eight years or something? Yeah, that is 
Yeah, so mind-blowing. Yep. Wild. <laughs> yep, I'm a I'm a little goblin boy who likes his movies. I I saw all like the movies in the year. I, what, was it like 2012? I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I saw every single. Yeah, 2013. I saw every every fucking movie. That's insane. All right, well, yeah. let's hop into <laughs> comparing these two films because um, I think there's a lot to dig into here. Yeah, man. I want to talk about like, you know, obviously the relationship with Lady Bird and like the mother, because that's like literally, I think, in our total bracket, one of the best like mother relationships that we yes, see. Like, it's so sure. good. It's so Weirdly enough. So the it's uh, the other Mostly half dads. It was single dads. This half, it's single moms. Well, not single she's moms. Not she's, she's not a single mom. Sorry, I was this half is mother son relationships. relationships. Yeah, that that's very, more very what I cool. meant than single moms. Gotcha. <laughs> You're just thinking of single moms, huh, Matthew? What's up? <laughs> Are single hot moms in your area? Are you? <laughs> I think so. Um, that's what pornographic websites keep telling me. <laughs> <laughs> you could you outed yourself very specifically. You could have been like illegal movie websites, but you went straight for the porn. Um, I feel like that's what everyone ties that thought to. <laughs> One of my favorite lines of like um, a coming of age like thing that I really like felt projected onto me was the whole. Uh, I wish you liked me and like, I love you, but do you like me? And the pause and like all that, like, I was like, Oh no, my dad tells me that all the time. Fuck. (laughs) Um, Oh shit. Yeah. And it's a really like, no, but it's like a really like, I think true point where a lot of parents, like, again, they, they're not like, we talked about it before in the first half of the episode, like uh, out of their depth. And it's not because like, you know, they don't think they want children or whatever, but it's like super fucking hard and super like nuanced to raise a fucking human being, apparently. And I think that's like an evolution of of be, like giving birth to someone or doing whatever is just like, oh, I, I can't like you right now. Like, I have to I love you. I'll provide for you. But I just can't like like I can't fuck with yeah. that. And that's wild to me. This movie, I think, does so much credit to the relationships of parents and children all of the conversations about the cost of raising a child. Mm-hmm, I yeah. feel like I have never seen another movie go into that dynamic and how that dynamic affects a parent child relationship the way this movie does. It's just so layered. I still just thinking about it always come to new realizations every time. It's so interesting because I feel like in the way, way back, it almost villainizes that trope with Steve Carell, like thinking like, oh, you're an ungrateful shit, like whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm Papa Step Bitch Ass. Um, That's his actual name credited in the film. Papa Step Bitch Ass. Papa Bitch Ass. Also known as Trent, um, which carries that carries that same association. (laughs) Actually, if you rearrange the letters in Trent, it spells out Papa Bitch Ass. Yeah. Papa step bitch ass because he's not full yes. papa. He ain't, he's a <laughs> yeah. What were you gonna say? What, what were you gonna, gonna say? say? It's gonna go. He's a naughty daddy. <laughs> <laughs> he is naughty. He is a naughty daddy. Rating his girlfriend's yeah. son a three out of ten. Piece of Jesus. shit. Actually, I I do want to say this is. This was like the start of when Steve Carell started to do serious roles. Mm-hmm. He is so good yeah. as a dramatic actor. Yeah, it's crazy. He He's does such so a fantastic. So I think this is a compliment to the entire matchup here. The parent characters involved, both Lady Bird's biological parents, then Duncan's mother, 
Steve Carell's character, Trent, and then also Sam Rockwell. I think we get such an ensemble of like really interesting parent characters going on that are all terrifically yeah. acted like complex people for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. Trent is mostly an asshole, um, but I do think there is some nuance to how that's portrayed. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think also I think uh, surrogate families are super, super important to to me in, in coming of age stuff, just because like, you know, that's very reflective of my experience growing up and trying to find families in different things and places. And like, it's such a genuine moment and genuine thing for um, Duncan. That's right. Um, I'm getting all our fucking kids mixed up. I almost like called him <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. Um, you know, <laughs> when Duncan like has a surrogate family in a water park, like that's such a specific, like that's something I would romanticize about as a kid, like going to work a summer job and like befriending the people and like being able to have that camaraderie and like what, I, like, and Sam Rockwell and Maya Rudolph like kill the mother father like surrogate dynamic. It's oh, so good. It's and so Sam good. Rockwell is so like Sam Rockwell reminds me of what Scarlett Johansson's character was in Jojo Rabbit. Huh. With the way how quick they are and how That's their actually parenting style would a be. A really it's interesting comparison that I hadn't yeah. thought about, but like I can totally see it. Hey, maybe we'll get there, guys. Maybe. Maybe. We don't <laughs> they, know. <laughs> they do carry kind of similar jovial attitudes in that wit is very central to both of their characters. And I think that's so important. Well, I think it's, it's the, it's the relationship and like their goal in terms of what they're trying to do with the protagonist, because they're trying to get the protagonist to be a kid, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's so important for kids like growing up. Like I think coming of age, like growing up has to realize that like, shut up, you're a kid. Like, you know what? Like, almost coming of age is literally like be the age you are, be as present as possible. And I think a lot of these movies just deal with like how to be present, which I fucking love. But one thing in <laughs> Lady Bird, which is so fucking funny, I literally had to stop being like, please, no, no, no. When she, the very opening where she's like, I just wish I could live through something. And I was like, wrong, Lady Bird, go back. Don't do that. Don't fucking do that, all right? You don't. You, you don't, don't want to live you through anything. You don't want to do it. Please, please don't live through a fucking historical event after a historical event. Please. Oh, so Jesus. much history this uh, year. Jesus Too Christ. much history. I hope Lady Bird's out there in New York living her life as best as possible. Well, Christine, now. True. Um... I think that that moment is a really interesting evolution of the character because she spends so much time sort of romanticizing this idea of leaving home, of like becoming an adult, I guess, that like once she finally is in New York, once she's finally away from home and once she can finally like embrace herself, she still has so many things that sort of ground her in her childhood. I don't know exactly what word I want to use there. But like the going to church in relation to her own relationship with going to a Catholic school, you know, her correspondence with her parents and the earnestness behind that and like the things she wishes she could have told her mother. And then more than anything, I think the decision to take on her given name rather than her chosen name, um, I think Mm -hmm. is really, really powerful, you know, all sort of connecting to the she claims to hate Sacramento, but the uh the nun works at her school so pointedly remarks like you write about it with such richness that to anyone else it would come off as you love this place the parallel scenes of them driving through sacramento and then that contrasted with when laurie metcalf drops her off at the airport i'm like crying thinking about it it like oh my god it's so raw and emotional in such a quiet way yeah 
so beautifully I think done. One of the highlights I really, really want to point out with Ladybird is that it's two things really. Is that one, it is, it succeeds in random bits that are impactful and funny and sad all at once, like random ones, like the whole um, them sitting cross legged like in the Catholic school eating the little wafers, talking about masturbation, hilarious. Or like that random scene where the fucking uh, theater person like fucking breaks down, like who first wanted to cry, like yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, uh, oh god. Um, or the cuts, like whenever the movie randomly like goes to other scenes and it's like, oh, a big thing happened. It's normal to not touch a penis. And like the next scene, like that's what it is. It's the so- editing, direction, shot composition are all super great in Lady Bird. It, yeah. yeah. I think what feels so good about it is it feels so much like the adolescent experience of like everything feels so big and huge and important to a degree <laughs> that then nothing does. And so these like huge moments then smash cut to something so minor and insignificant, but they're given the exact same amount of weight. Uh, It's just it's brilliant. It's so good. I think the strongest part of this movie is that it's like for almost every argument had in the movie, whether it's between the mom and daughter or like someone else, like almost there's no like, you know, who's the clear whatever. It's not like Lady Bird or Christine is supposed to be like this completely lovable character she's just like sure like she's an argumentative character and like explores the world like that and i think that's so interesting especially with duncan who just like i feel like the way way back and why i love it so much is that it's a romanticization of the coming of it like it's like a very isolated summer experience and i fucking love that because you're like yeah you you were there you did the thing who knows if we'll see Sam Rockwell's character again and all that, um, which is really mm-hmm. heartbreaking, but it's beautiful. But he leaves him with the the powerful piece of don't settle, you know, of yeah. like rise to it, be present, you know, that that ending speech he gives Duncan, I think is yeah. really, really nice. I really nice. need you guys to, to help me decide here because I'm genuinely like fucking I torn. I have no idea what I'm going to vote for. We've waxed poetic a lot about Lady Bird. I think one of the best moments for me in the way, way back was at the end when he runs back into the water park and his family follows him. And when Sam Rockwell is like getting between Duncan and Trent, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's done so purposefully, but then it's so minor, you know, it like both of these movies do such a good job with minor moments that are so purposeful and impactful. Boy, it just felt like such an escape. Like I, I literally, like I've I've cried to both of these movies. I've teared up like hardcore. I, I I'm crying right now thinking about <laughs> these movies. Like they're just so beautiful. Yeah. I'm a little baby. Something else I want to throw out as just like in the theme of like little moments um, is that Timmy Timothy Chalamet is in Lady Bird. You're right. Correct. Yeah, and he <laughs> fucking sucks. He <laughs> sucks so much. But yeah, sorry. Go for it. Um, something I think so small. But I, I just shows the depth of impact that Sam Rockwell's character Owen has had on Duncan yeah. when he's giving her the tour of it and he's reciting this, the like poorly com- the zero comedic timing um, yeah. <laughs> moments of Sam Rockwell's jokes when he gave Duncan the, the tour. Is that like the mm-hmm. fact that Duncan like memorized all of those to be like, oh, I like this is a cool thing another person did and I want to be so like endearing. that person. So it's so, so good. good. But then the like authenticity of like it took me like after he says the joke, he's like, it took me a little bit to get it. But and then it just like keeps going like oh, <sighs> it's so good. It's so good. I hate this matchup. I hate it. I know. 
I think the thing that's so tough with these movies, like obviously the way, way back is super important to me and I'm sure other people out there, but like, I know so many people that like lady bird is just such like an earth shatteringly valuable film to them. And I, I totally understand that emotional resonance um, because it's a, it's a great film that gets at a lot of complicated and difficult stuff about being a person about growing up about like your relationship with your parents like yeah boy i think i'm in the same boat where like i think the way way back like it's really specific like to me like it's really powerful and it's like again that escapism of coming of age but ladybird is so so like also specific and like the you know talking about like wealth and like religious fucking conundrums and i i, I don't know man i don't know i think for me I'm such a sucker for Sam Rockwell. <laughs> He's just so funny He's and so, so good. good. And his character is so well written and so the performance has so much nuance. Ugh. I love Sam Rockwell. I think it's crazy that like I've never thought about how many things I like enjoy Sam Rockwell in. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> till He's like great. Be, being forced to crest, question it by him popping up twice in this bracket and I'm, i was like i've like looked over his filmography and i'm like oh shit yeah he was in all these things and he did do a good job should we god i have no idea what i'm gonna vote for but should we vote i feel like i'm there is no chance that a conversation leads me closer to some sort of consensus I think. do you guys think that uh timothy chalamet like lucas hedges whatever do you think they're gonna play teens forever <laughs> he's got kind of that soft boy aesthetic Oh, I do. I have one more important question and conversation that I think we need to get into. Okay. (laughs) Timothy Chalamet in Lady Bird and Sam Rockwell in The Way Way Back. What would their dragons be and what would their dragons powers be and what would their dragons names be? The characters in the movies. Not in eighth grade. They're like grown up selves. Yeah. What would their dragons be? Sam Rockwell's would be like super chill and cool and like hang out and it would be a water dragon and it probably would make tidal waves in the wave pool. Yeah, it'd be like a chaos little whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Timothy Chalamet's. I don't really know. Matthew's much. playing super coy, but he knows exactly <laughs> the answer to this question. <laughs> it would be a black dragon. It would have spines on its back. It would shoot out like a supersonic blast. <laughs> Uh, and he'd probably be named like Drakthar or something. <laughs> I'm that guy. I'm Timothy Chalmay's character. Oh no. Um, I don't know. But I think in some way, despite the fact that dragons don't have an adv- they don't seem to have like an advanced hierarchical society, his dragon would somehow espouse anarchist beliefs. Um, despite the fact that it was high up within the hierarchy being fed by the other dragons very frequently. Um, Matt, just wait until you watch How to Train Your Dragon 2 and 3. Oh, shit. Do they <laughs> have a whole about society? Dragon society? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> literally, so yeah. <laughs> Should we vote? I, I, yeah. I guess. This is a tough one. It's really tough. This is a great fucking matchup, man. Does anyone feel like they're leaning one way strongly and can start I, off our vote? I, I can I can start us off because I I can wait. OK, before you say it, before you say it, Jake and I have to write something down because the last time we did this and I didn't have something written down, I felt like I was in hell. OK, okay I have yeah. to write something down. OK, 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 I'm ready. All right. I can go first. I am voting for the way, way back. Okay. Uh, I will go second since Jake wanted to go last. I am voting for Lady Bird. Maybe I shouldn't have gone last. <laughs> Jake, you, you wrote something down. What did you write down? You? I know I did, but I still feel awful. 
Yeah, uh, much against my personal personal, I think this is, I'm going for Lady Bird. Yeah, I I know the way way back means more to me specifically as like that escapism, like whatever thing. And I really related to it, especially when I was younger, when I watched it. But Lady Bird, man, oh, man, I totally get it. Yeah, I, I feel similarly. I loved the way way back. But I think for me, in my mind, it came down to I felt like Lady Bird's relationship between mother and daughter was yeah. so nuanced and deep. Mm-hmm. And the way way back has a great relationship. Like it is a very good depiction of a mother son relationship. I just felt like Lady Birds was something. Yeah. If Tony Collette's going to play a mother, well, it's going to be in Hereditary, not this one. You know, <laughs> that's a coming of age, right? I am your mother. <laughs> it's a great scene. Yeah, it's a power. Yeah. One day it'll show up on the show. Uh, Jake knows many of my thoughts on Hereditary. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So with that coming at you next episode, we've got Perks of Being a Wallflower versus Jojo Rabbit. And I'm so fucked. Eighth Grade versus Ladybird. I hate my life. Super fantastic <laughs> matchups. Uh, this wow. is a stacked bracket and we're not messing around. Um, man. Yeah, we just picked good movies, guys. I'm good honestly job. so good glad job. that I didn't pick the way way back because I can't have these many personal, like personal, personal favorite movies. I will fucking <laughs> lose my brain. Hey, uh, my, I'm so my, excited. <laughs> my, my personal emotional horses are mostly out of this race. So I'm here just as an arbiter of theme now. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Follow us on all the socials. Follow us on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, at Tough Cut Pod, all that good stuff. We'd love hearing from you too. Like, comment on us, tweet at us. We need more Matthew Twitter fans. We need more people to tell him to do a live reading of the Sonic script. We're at two of ten. We're at two of ten. Two of ten. You guys got to work harder if you want that. And (laughs) maybe I'll buy a Sonic costume (laughs) when we read it. (laughs) of the original eyes just bulged out of my head please please tweet at matthew the one i sent you guys in our group chat a while back (laughs) (laughs) the fucking horrific looking thing maybe i'll buy that maybe we all need sonic costumes jake do you want to be tails or knuckles i'm a tails i'm a tails right i'll I'll be knuckles that fits i think oh jesus yeah so if you like the show leave a review tell your friend singular Hey, tell your mother, tell your father, tell your and and make it a really awkward and awful conversation. If you haven't talked to them in like five years or something, tell your parental figure if they like you. Yeah. (laughs) And what would they rate you out of (laughs) ten? And if it's a three, you have um, permission from us to beat up your parent. Unless there's beefy Steve Carell, because he was beefy in that movie. I don't. He was a naughty daddy. He was beefy naughty daddy. Oh shit! All right. Well, I don't know. I, I, my fucking my fucking brain is turning to mush. <laughs>